Komen gets sacked. Nuno maybe should get sacked in FC Cincinnati, their entire team ought to go this is the news and predictions episode for this week and we're glad that you're here please give us a follow on twitter at final third show link will be down in the show notes below and also give us a five star rating whatever rating you see fit that do so much for us as we get on into this week's episode all right enjoy the show Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode where we talk about all the news, all the big games happening in the soccer world. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm a fan of Minnesota United, which went very well today. West Ham United also went very well today in the U.S. national teams, which hopefully will be going well in the next coming weeks. And obviously the U.S. women's national team, it went well uh, this past week. Also, and I'm, as always, joined by my co-host, Jack. Yes, hello. Um, I'm a fan of Minnesota United wearing a Jan Gregor's jersey. Yes. It's not going well for him there. Yeah, it's it, going... it, it might have been his last home game today. <sighs> that, don't say that. Don't oh, say that. That yeah. hurts me. That hurts me too much. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of Chelsea. You know, uh, we made St. James Park, St. Reese James Park. Yes. And the French and U.S. national teams. Yeah. And uh, we're not going to be talking about... Uh, most of those teams, I want to say, I actually like blanked out on the, the amount of teams that we're going to be talking about. I don't think we're talking about Chelsea uh, in this I'll find, particular. I'll find a way to talk about them. Don't I'm, worry. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> we're going to be talking about some other big games and some big news stories happening all around the soccer world. But before we get to that, we got some housekeeping to get through. Uh, number one, if you're not following us on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing. Twitter at Final Third Show. Link is down in the show notes down below. Second thing. I'm back. I was uh, out with a root canal surgery. Still, my gums still kind of hurt because they yeah, they have to put they'll like, do that for a while. Yeah, yeah. they have to put like brackets in to like hold like whatever the tools in place. So my gums are still kind of like swollen. So it kind of hurts to talk. So if it, that comes through in the mic, I'm sorry. I'm feeling pretty <laughs> all right though. Uh, I'm really uh, fortunate that Jack was able to cover. I thought he did an amazing job talking about Chelsea this past week and why they're doing so good. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and listens to that because jack even though he was solo just really you know kept the boat afloat i suppose <laughs> you can say so it was a great episode from jack and the third thing i have to say speaking about the, just the podcast in general uh october was our best month in terms of downloads ever uh, yeah. ever i'm 637 yeah i don't know we're gonna release number but yeah oh, I'm, right I'm now sorry sorry right now we are <laughs> above 600 downloads which is pretty good we're averaging about 135 to 150 downloads a week for which for you know two you know college students that do this just as a hobby just for a reason to hang out and talk soccer together that's great to hear i'm really glad that we have people from literally all across the country and literally across Across the the world world, weekly listening to us i think that's really really cool so thank you so much for that let's keep it going we have some really cool things we're talking about in november particularly stuff like nwsl the mls playoffs uh the the november international window and of course we have the club season going on as well so let's talk about some of that club season first jack with uh probably the biggest news this past week which is ron coman uh former now head coach (laughs) of barcelona getting sacked by the team we have been kind of on the yeah coman's like it's not entirely his fault but it might be best if he goes his fault yeah 
I remember you saying last week that you didn't yeah. think that he was going to get fired because of the financials uh, before we get into like his reign. I do have to say he is getting 12 million euros in compensation. So where do you stand on him getting fired right now, Jack? I mean, I, I've got to say I was wrong. I, I didn't think Barcelona was willing to take more of a financial hit. But, you know, I guess when you're that far in debt, like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, the, the so, sunk cost fallacy just keep on sinking, I guess. Yeah, you know? uh, I mean, I, I did also read that he did agree to a lower, like, a severance fee than, like, would have normally accrued, yeah. which, you know, if that is the case, very good on him. Like, I mean, if it is the case, hey, I, he's I, still a winner no matter what, you know, I mean, he still he, gets all millions upon right. millions. Yeah, I mean, he can live off of that for a few years, yeah. honestly, if he wanted to. Yeah. So. Hey, Coleman, I will speak good about you if you just give me even like one percent of that. In one percent. I'll go for like point oh one percent. You know, I don't even know how much that is. I, I'm an engineering student. Don't know uh, quick math like that, but. That, that's good money for him. 12,000. 12, I will take 12,000. That, that's, that's tuition for a full semester. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, so other than that, let's talk about his overall uh, reign as manager. Right now, Barcelona are currently in ninth place. Not too great. Losing to both Real Madrid and Rayo Vallecano in the league before his eventual sacking. Uh, since 2003, Jack, he's been Barcelona's worst manager in terms of points per game. He also just got one trophy during his time, which I believe was the Copa del Rey, Copa last, del Rey yep. last year. While other managers had just as much or even zero trophies during their time, he managed more matches than them. So not exactly a, a great rate right there. But it's not just the results that have, haven't been great, but it's also the fans. You know, because Messi left, because this team is not looking great, a lot of fans have turned against not just him, but the club either in a negative way or just simply apathetic. Uh, as he left the El Clasico games, fans surrounded Komen's car to berate him. And just this past Saturday, only 37,278 people showed up to the Alaviz game when the capacity is nearly 100,000, 99,354. According to a lot of people living in Barcelona, a lot of people just don't care enough to make it to a Barcelona game because of all the financial issues, all of the on the field issues, and the fact that it was raining that day and the stadium. Yeah, is, that, that probably doesn't help. Yeah, stadium's not exactly uh, the best experience right now. Like literally, like uh, in the London Stadium, we had more fans than that uh, the past couple of weeks. Obviously, I'm guessing with Stamford Bridge, I don't even know the capacity of Stamford Bridge. It's, it's about thirty-eight thousand, I think. Okay, I'm gonna assume that you had at least capacity there. Well, we weren't at we were in at Stamford Bridge, but I think we I think we probably hit it the last time we were. All right, there. sure, yeah. And the fact that Barcelona, the quote unquote best team in the world, can't get that shows a little bit of apathy and kind of a downwards trend on and off the field. And of course, we talked about all the time the financial situation. The crisis is only deepening. Their wages are going to further constrict next season which is not great. Jack, before we talk about a potential uh, uh, heir to the throne, yes or no, is this uh, the right move from Barcelona? Do you think that their outlook, at least this season, is going to look better on the field? Well, it, it, it depends on who they bring in, right? Because uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I'll, I'll save some of my comments on, like, on, on that for when we actually talk about potential successors. But I think it's probably good i mean if if they were willing to take the financial hit then yeah it's good because someone obviously someone smarter than either of us 
did a cost benefit analysis equation of some sort and was like you yeah. assume too much out of the barcelona that's board, true that they would yeah. look that far ahead that, that's future. true yeah, yeah barcelona isn't really a future proofing <laughs> club at this point in time i'm assuming that they probably did some math and they're like yeah it's probably worth it but uh i uh, he I, I know some fans have still defended him uh, because you know he did win them the Cope del rey when people were doubting them and he did do okay for the for the the period of time there although it is tough to replace Lionel messi mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how many free transfers you bring him in the summer uh Memphis Depay, Luke Dion on loan, Sergio Aguero. It doesn't matter. They're they're not going to replace Messi. Yeah, three like you could you could get a hundred players and they still wouldn't be able to replicate the impact that Messi had. Mm-hmm. So I I I think it's probably the right move. The club is moving in a different direction for the future, so it's probably time to shape everything up. Yeah, and overall, like I still think Komen's a good coach. I think I, I hope that he lands on his feet. He did well with the. Dutch national team, relatively speaking. So I think I don't know why, but in my mind, I'm like I feel like Syria is somehow like the next move for him. Nah, MLS, come on, MLS. <laughs> hey, replace Adrian Heath next season. That's all oh I'm saying. <laughs> I, I think uh, I'd love to see Mike, Michael Boxel being an actual striker. That that that's something that Komen would do. Obviously, we've seen that before. I, yeah, I mean, he gets <laughs> striker. Why not? Yeah. So let's see that. Uh, Overall, you mentioned they're going on a, a new direction. Have you heard some names? I've heard some names for a, a successor. I've heard some names as well. There, right. There's one that I think we're going to talk about mainly. Yeah. So uh, some names that have been getting thrown around. Antonio Conte, Eric Ten Hag of Ajax. But of course, the one that people have been saying was the chosen one for this job for the past maybe two years is a former Barcelona player himself, Xavi. Can he solve this team? I don't really know. I don't honestly don't think he can. But can he bring them back to winning ways, at least on the field? And I think more importantly in the future, can he do it with less resources than he would most likely uh, prefer? Because as we know, Barcelona's wages are going to have to get cut significantly. Yeah, significantly, even further than they have this season. Jack, what do you know about Xavi as a coach? Do you think that he can do a good job here? Because I have a lot of opinions because I did a fair amount of research in his time at Al Saad. Yeah, well, Xavi has, is a relative newcomer to coaching, let's say. like he, He's got a couple of years of experience, and to be fair, his team isn't doing that badly. They've, he's definitely instituted the same kind of style that Guardiola instituted at Barcelona. There's a lot of quick passing play. At least from what I've seen, I, I haven't done. I probably haven't done as much research as you have, <laughs> but uh, I, I did look into some clips. Lots of quick passing play. Uh, some midfielders running, uh, running forward, getting into scoring positions. Something that Xavi himself was pretty good at. Uh, and yeah, I, I think I think it's an interesting style. It'll be the the thing that I think might be tricky is how well it'll adapt to La Liga because La Liga is kind of progressed past that sort of style of play and most other leagues as well right like uh that that was a really good style back in the day but now it's all about a high pressing system and i think that that might hurt him a little bit and i also worry that he will become kind of like komen because komen you know he's 
he, regardless of his time as a coach, he's always going to be remembered favorably for winning them their first Champions League, right? With a free kick goal. That, that, that's Komen's legacy at Barcelona. Uh, he was, he's also one of the top scoring defenders of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, there, there is that. And, you know, legendary players coming back to manage their clubs. We've talked about it before. It, it can be good, but a lot of times it ends up being yeah. bad. Uh, Frank Lampard, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, Ronald Koeman. I, so. I, I think the only successful uh, time that's happened, at least in recent memory, at a club like this would be Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid. Yeah, or I, I guess like uh, Pep at, at Barcelona. Yes. But that was even further back. But, you know, those stories are a lot fewer and far between than uh, the success, like uh, than the underwhelming or just flat out unsuccessful coaches managing their former clubs. Yeah, I agree. And the, the thing I talk about, like, like adapting to uh, Barcelona, like his tactics, his style, that is what I found to be probably the biggest concern because uh, you're right. He does like an attacking oriented team. Like his team, Al Saad in the Qatari uh, league, is very, very attacking oriented. He's really good at finding ways to incorporate all of his offensive firepower that he has at his disposal. Uh, I can't really name you the formations off the top of his head, but he has worked with like three in the back and four in the back systems. I think very like Cruyff-esque, which is going to be very well translated in terms of that attacking style into Barcelona. But from what I've seen... Qatar is an easier league and not even from what I've seen like that's just true yeah yeah Qatar not just from the, like the the real aspect of moving from managing Al Sadd to Barcelona but just in general Qatar in the grand scheme of world football is not the most challenging league to no really yeah well that that <laughs> that, that is kind of uh highlighting the fact that Qatar obviously doesn't have a, a very robust uh uh foreign player system i think they only allowed three foreign players so the actual uh teams that you have at your disposal is one thing but then your opponents might be not as good or even close to the level that you were at which is why they have won several cups several league titles uh in his reign so that kind of speaks i mean he's a good coach but that kind of speaks to where they're at as a team and when the, th- this team, Al Saad, plays against teams that can actually put up a fight, can actually counterattack and exploit the space that his flowing style leaves, they struggle. They struggle in the AFC Champions League. They have not won it, even though they have been playing really well in the Qatar League. And that's a huge issue because Barcelona might not have the raw talents next year that, say, Al Saad has relative to their league Barcelona might not have that relative to La Liga. So when you have these lesser resources, can he really translate that? I really don't think so. So unless he can like really be good at man managing and like get the most out of his players to the level at which he's doing it outside, I don't think this is going to be, at least on the field right now, if they like really stay committed to him, that might change their financial situation. Hopefully improves. But right now, whether it's Ten Hag, Conte, or him, I don't think any of those names are really equipped to deal with the 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 hole that Barcelona have dug themselves in. Jack, what do you think uh, about any of that? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough task for any coach to come in to a place where they won't have the proper resources, really, to rebuild a team. Because generally, when 
teams are going into rebuilding phases, they've got some money to work with. Uh-uh. Barcelona is going in the opposite direction, where they desperately need a large-scale rebuild, but are lo- are hemorrhaging cash. Really, mm-hmm. like I, I like just losing money isn't isn't the right word. It, it's it's far more it's it's far more than just losing uh, cash. So I mean, that, I, I think that. It, it's just going to be tough for any manager to come in and try and fix anything. Yeah. Uh, I think what you need, you know, Conte is not going to be the right fit because yeah, he, he needs, he needs the resources. He needs the resources. Yeah. Ten Hag might not be bad actually because, yeah. but he's for, but all of his, well, I'm not going to say all, like a lot of his success comes from an IX team, which is miles ahead better than the Eredivisie teams that they play. They right. played a, a team called go ahead Eagles. Or I, I know, but at the same time, uh, he has developed a reputation for developing young talents. That's true. And Barcelona has a lot of young that's talents true. that that's are coming true. up. Hey, so yeah. that that's what I'm thinking about on there. Like if Barcelona is going to need to rely on uh, La Masia and their and that and their products from there in order if they want to rebuild and become the team that they want to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that Ten Hag is probably the best choice. Okay. For it that that's that would be my pick, but I feel like. You know, Barcelona's not just thinking from an on-field perspective. They're thinking about fan perspective, getting the favor of the fans back. Oh, and for 100%. that reason, I think they'll go with Xavi anyway. Yeah. If, I, if they're able to get him. And I, I feel like Fabrizio Romano has been like, yeah, they're going to go for Xavi. I mean, I, I don't know how a former Barcelona legend turns down a call like that. Right, uh, right. So, yeah. I mean, Al Sadar undefeated in the league. He could win another league uh, title. Yeah. I suppose we'll, we'll keep everyone rep- uh, up to date as uh, reports come out about him coming in. Let's move on to some score lines, Jack, uh-huh. starting off with some uh, a pretty big, <laughs> uh, a big game. Some called El Sacico because <laughs> of how likely uh, the loser would be to potentially get sacked. Uh, this was Tottenham Hotspur and Nuno uh, Santos, their head coach versus Manchester United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as theirs. This was uh, a pretty entertaining game, if I'm being honest. It, was, it ended up being 3-0 to zero, uh, for the away team, Manchester United. There were early chances from Spurs, but they got shut down. So a 39th-minute volley by Ronaldo, assisted by Bruno Fernandes, gets the opening goal. In the 64th minute, the Spurs defense just gets absolutely washed. Ronaldo yeah. with the pass to Cavani. Uh, the, 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 the line for Spurs, like their defensive line, it was it was the opposite of straight. It was a squiggly line. Like they got just completely spun. Uh, and in the 86th minute, Rashford just finishes the job. Really, this is exactly the the game that Manchester United needed to bounce back from their Liverpool loss last week. And this is just a continuation of Spurs's, uh, I would say, lack of quality in the Premier League. Uh, here's a quick reminder that they are 18th in goals per match with just 0.9 goals per game. Jack, is it time for Nuno out for real this time? It's tough to say because we know Nuno is a good manager, right? He proved it with Wolves. You know, Wolves. Probably- I think I said this last week, but his last season with Wolves was not the best. That is true. And he was like that ninth choice for the Spurs uh, job. That, that is also true. Also keep that in mind. That is true. But at the same time, he has qualities. He's proven he, that he can yes, do things yes. in the Premier League. Like that Wolves team, if we're being honest, should not have been near European competition two seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. But yet they were. And I, I think that, that that's huge. But I, I'm honest, I, I think it's honestly the players that, that are more responsible for some of these things. 
especially one Harold Kane uh, up at the top. See, uh, yes, I agree. And I will say that he commented on players not being committed. But as most like Spurs fans have pointed out, it's most likely towards Deli Ali and Harry Winks, who they're have, I mean, they're not great. They're, are they? they're, they're not great. They got dropped, I think, midweek uh, because they're just not not great Formed at all. Poor against Vitesse. Yeah. But I, of course, Harry Kane also is a, a liability right now. Yeah. In the forward line. Talk, yeah. talk to me about that. I mean, he wanted to go in the summer. They, they kept him against his will, really, at Tottenham. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he has one goal and one assist in nine matches. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is the person who won the Golden Boot and, most, and Playmaker Award, most yeah, assist, yeah. last season. Like, he, he should be doing better than that. And, you know, there, there's always, like, some people who are like, oh, yeah, he just takes a while to get warmed up. How long does it take to warm up for? Yeah, for because right? the joke is that the uh, Harry Kane always has a bad August, I think. Yeah, and then he gets going. It's he's a, had a bad September as well and yeah. a bad October. It, so. It's it's November now. Like he's <laughs> if Spurs want to stay competitive, they're going to need to get the most out of him. And I'm be honest, like I think Mourinho, for all of his faults, he got the most out of Son and Kane. He did, yeah. Like I, this is this is a downgrade in pretty much every single regard. But what do we, what do Spurs even do at this point? If not stick with Nuno at least for the season, like who who can they get that's better than him? Because Ten Hag denied them, Conte yep, yep. denied them. Hey, Coleman, I guess maybe. <laughs> like like but, well, he didn't do too well at Southampton in the Premier League, that's so true. there there is that. So uh, so what's the move here, Jack, for for Spurs? Should he go? I I like I said, I'm going to maintain my stance from last week. That you keep him in until January at least. Results aren't coming, then he's got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he he deserves at least half of a season, especially because at the start of the season, pulled off some impressive results. A win over Manchester City, that's impressive. Yeah, right? and then a bunch of one zero wins against like Watford. I don't know. I mean, a win is a win. Yeah, like, that's true. I, there there is that, and I think the big thing is though, the defense just is the half of it. Like uh, I, I'm looking at the lineup. The right side is really good. You got Emerson, Romero, and Hoiberg there. The left side includes Oliver Skip, who's young but not fantastic. Yeah. Eric Dyer and Ben Davies. Uh, not a great trio yeah. on that side. And in fact, that's where a lot of the goals came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. so- Sk- Skip had a pretty bad giveaway uh, for that uh, second goal for Manchester United. Yep. So, so and and Loris. He's hitting bad form as well. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I I I do think that there is one issue that Nuno has to fix if he wants to stay in this. Stop telling Harry Kane to drop and play as a central midfielder. If you want an extra central midfielder, play an extra person in central midfield. Yes. He is he, he's not he's not a central midfielder. Yes, he got a lot of assists, but he is a striker. There's a reason why he scored twenty over twenty goals last season. Right, I can't remember the exact total. It was either twenty-one or twenty-two, but still, like, play him in the right position. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't have him drop back. Like, uh, I I think when they played Chelsea, he was deeper in the into the into like uh, his own field than like Jorginho was Yikes. into. Like that that's a problem. If, it is so that that's one big thing that's got to be fixed. I agree, and I I really do think that. 
I, I think Nuno should stay because selfishly from a West Ham perspective, it's kind of funny to see them play badly. Yeah, but it, also it I don't know. Like, like you have to really look at the alternatives. Like, would an interim manager do better than him? Maybe, maybe not. That's something that for them to decide. We'll keep you guys updated on that too because. Honestly, if they're going to fire Nuno, I feel like now is like the time to do it rather than, you know, give him until January. Because what if he messes up the January window and then you're stuck with like a bad yeah, season altogether. True. But maybe you do give him the January window because you want to see what he can do in the transfer window and what he can do with some reinforcements. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go on to another pretty fun game, an early game uh, yesterday. This is Leicester versus Arsenal. Ended up being 2-0 to zero for Arsenal. Since losing the first three games, Jack, they've gone at nine games undefeated in all competitions, conceding four and scoring 17. Arsenal are now in sixth place, just three behind West Ham in fourth. Gotta put that in there. A huge turnaround from them, and this game kind of encapsulate this. Good performances from young players like Emile Smith-Rowe, who got a goal in Saga, who got the assist. Star players like, like Aubameyang are playing more consistently. A more solid defense with Gabriel and White pairing up as a center back are keeping the back line very solid, which is a huge issue for them in the beginning of the season. But maybe the most important difference, Jack, do you know who I'm about to mention? I think so. Who is that? Aaron Ramsdale. It is Aaron Ramsdale. Shockingly, in my opinion. Yeah. I, nobody expected it, really. Yeah, because he, he came from Sheffield United. Right. Was, well, not the only reason why uh, they got... Uh, relegated Pro- probably looking back on it got relegated in spite of him yeah uh, yeah and that's why a lot of uh, Sheffield United fans were sad to see him go because he has been lights out taking the reins from Brent Leno and now has four clean sheets in the league and he's yet to lose a game that he plays for Arsenal he's outperforming his XG conceded by 3.6 goals so like always when I explain this this means that he's conceding 3.6 goals less than he would be expected to throughout the time that he's been in goal for Arsenal. Like that is huge. And I'm sure, I'm sure if any Arsenal fans, which we know quite a few of were here, they would talk amazingly about uh, Ramsdale, who for my money was the man of the match in this game. Uh, They've just been playing like really, really well front to back defense and offense. Thanks to in large part, some of these players that we didn't think would be huge uh, contributors in seasons past. Jack, now that they're in sixth place, fighting for potentially some European spots, do you think Arsenal are for real, or is this like one month patch just temporary? By for real, do you mean like what? What do you what do you quantify as that? I quantify like, I for real as like potentially contending for uh, Champions League spots, like just outside. Like like I th- I consider any like team for real if they're in like in the top seven. Okay. Okay. And like and like actively like trying to move up. I I think that they're very close to it. The well, reason why I'd hold yeah, off. Yeah, what's on missing? It, I I'd hold off on it just because you know they they've they've got this form back because a lot of their players came back from injuries. Which you know the thing that I think hurts Arsenal the most is the lack of depth in some of the positions, like center back for example. Uh, so I worry that you know if. They lose a few key pieces, like one or two key pieces. This team falls apart again. Yeah. I also think that some of the teams that they beat are not impressive. Not impressive. A 1-0 win against Norwich and Burnley. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the against Leicester I'll, and uh, against Villa, I'll admit those are pretty impressive. The Tottenham 1-2. 
I'll give them credit. I, I'm not saying that they've been bad. I, I think it's impressive how they've climbed the table. But at the same time, I I'm gonna hold off on saying like uh, on saying like they're a top four contender, like a, a real contender for Europe, just because you know I I'll, I'll be interested to see how they deal with some other if any other injuries come their way, right? But mm-hmm. fair fair play to them. They've they've been doing well. They've had players who have filled in well. But, you know, just just the drop off in like defensively. Right. So if you go if Gabrielle or Ben White gets injured next in line on that is Rob Holding. Not is great. A pretty stark drop off. Right. And like uh, if, if you have Tomoyasu who goes out, uh, your next your next choice is uh, Cedric Suarez hmm. or, you know, uh, I, I it's not Bellerin anymore. He's at Real Batista yeah. alone. But you, you, you get what I mean. Like it's. It, it looks a little risky to to say like automatically like they're gonna, they're going to challenge for the top four right. But I think that it's very possible that they will be in in and around that place uh, throughout the season. All right. So I, I I'd say like I'm I'm almost there being convinced that okay. that that they're like truly there. Like sat, uh, Saturday November twentieth they play Liverpool. Yeah, I was going to point out if if they pull off like something something there. Like then sure yeah I'll, I'll give the, I'll give them credit or if they or if they lose by like one goal or something that that's that's pretty good like uh, I'll I'll give them credit for for that but mm-hmm. and they do have some tests coming up uh mm-hmm. they play Watford next they should win that if should, they if they don't should. that'd be bad yeah uh, then they play Liverpool uh Newcastle they should also win that because it also at home but then you entered to an interesting uh patch of games against Manchester United away Everton away. Southampton at home could get mm-hmm. tricky, and West Ham at home. You know, once uh, Christmas comes around, we're going to learn a lot about this Arsenal team, whether they right, have the grit, right. whether they have the medical fortitude to press on despite some injuries that might pop up. It's going to be an interesting one, to say the least. I, for, for everyone's uh, uh, ease, I, I do think this Arsenal team is good. I... I I, I think I've said a lot of uh, good things about their young core, so I, I'm I always like to see you know ESR and Saka do well, uh, Thomas Party as well. So hopefully uh, they can keep it going. But someone who hasn't been keeping it going is a uh, one Lionel Messi. PSG played Lille this past Friday, ended up being two to one for PSG, which is very typical. But I, I really don't care about this game. Lille scored earlier thanks to uh, Jonathan David, great great player. Uh, Di Maria had an assist and a goal to win it for PSG. Typical, typical, typical. PSG are first place right now in Liga, but I really want to talk about Messi here, who was subbed off at halftime, had a 6.4 foot mob rating this game, and more importantly, has not scored or assisted in Liga yet, even after five games, even after 15 shots, which is the most shots that somebody has taken without a goal in Liga this season. He has, however, scored three times in the Champions League. And the way that I see it, and I, I'm going to ask you, Jack, too, if you can think of any other reasons why he's not doing very well. Uh, I think PSG's play a lot more vertically, uh, at the very least different from Barcelona. I think a lot of their uh, play comes from finding who's ahead and just getting the ball there, making the runs, and playing very quickly like that. With Barcelona, obviously, you have Barcelona style, very pass heavy, like got got to get that that build up 
and I think that suits suits him very well. PSG, he doesn't really have the legs to run fast. He doesn't really have the uh, the ability to beat his defender off the ball as he potentially did it before. So I think that's why uh, part of that is struggling. Uh, and I think also just adapting to Liga is also kind of an issue for him. Jack, do you have any other reasons why he could be struggling, at least in the league? He's been doing fine in a Champions League, but specifically in Liga, any... Uh, insight there yeah i think i think um i i can't remember but there there was a quote i saw uh that that i think it was from johan Cruyff a while ago like if you picked uh the be- best 11 in the world you wouldn't have like uh the the best team possible but you would have the best 11 individual players and yes. i think one thing that i i think that's part of it for psg like messi doesn't have to be the main man for them like he did at Barcelona, right? Mm-hmm. At Barcelona, he was their only hope in a lot of games. And he 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 had to be at his very best. Otherwise, Barcelona was going to lose every, like, nearly every game, honestly. Yeah. So in, for PSG, though, he has amazing players around him. So he doesn't have, it doesn't matter if he, if he like. Uh, so so are, are you saying that, like, him not playing at his best, it's not even to P- PSG's detriment? Right, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're they're winning. They've they've lost one game in total. Yeah. I mean, he, it it's not hurting them. It, he he's playing fine in the Champions League. Like, right? He he's the reason why they they beat RB Leipzig. It, if he didn't give Mbappe the ball for the final penalty, he would have had a hat trick in that game. Right. And you know, I I think he performs when he's needed. Right. Like if if he's absolutely needed, he comes up big, like in uh, with RB Leipzig. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but they were down, uh, or no, they I, I thought they came, they did come from behind, two one down, and he scored two goals in response to that. Mm-hmm. So he he when he's called upon, he is reliable to get his team out of tough situations. Yeah, in league on though, he doesn't need to do that. Like he Neymar. Yeah, uh, Mbappe, Di Maria, Di Maria, Marquinhos, like all, all these players that could be game changers for them are and Hakimi, right? Okay, yeah, uh, Reynolds. I, I could, I could just go on. Uh, but see that—that's the thing. He doesn't need to be at his very best all the time because there's plenty of players around him who can, who who can benefit from him. And even if he's not like directly creating goals, right? The the thing is, he's also creating space for players, right? Right. He he does do that quite well, and that's not something that's reflected in something like foot mob, right? Like uh, running running into space and pulling players away uh, for other players, like you know Mbappe and Neymar to cut in and like dri- dribble in, right, and try and shoot and score. That's not reflected in it, but he I, I think he is still doing fine. And plus, you know, League On has a reputation of being an easier league and right. i think he might have fallen into that a little bit and been like yeah i can just kind of walk it no. almost like gonzalo Higuain for mls yeah but then he adapted and now he's like he has like 14 goals this season sure i think I, I don't care about inner miami enough to that's fair yeah. that's fair uh who does but um yeah i i think i think he'll he'll be fine uh-huh. like it's still messy and we know he can still score goals does this at all like hurt his a like ball and door chances for this year or and b his legacy overall that he's not really he gave me a face like uh, like his legacy overall because he can't compete 
in this new league. No, not not at all. It, it doesn't hurt his legacy in the slightest because at the end I mean, of the that might have been a bad way to put. Yeah, it, but at, yeah sure. At, at the end of the day, it's still messy. It it like there, there's plenty of players who have bad spots towards the end of their career, like Frank Lampard for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. You know that was a pretty poor uh, uh, season of his career. Yeah, you could you could point out. Most players that are old and come to MLS, right? Steven Gerrard, <laughs> Frank, Lampard. Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly, it, it it happens. Like I mean, that that's that that is kind of to be expected, and I, I don't think it hurts his chances for the Ballon d'Or. He he's proven what he can do. Right. I mean, he he was the reason why Barcelona qualified for the Champions mm-hmm. League. He's the reason why Argentina won the Copa America. Exactly. He, like he's doing still really well for Argentina in these international right. Breaks, he, so. he did everything he needed to for exactly like, off of the in the first like he he did more in the first like two months of this year than most players do in an entire season. Sure. So I mean, I I, I think. I think he'll be fine. All right. All right. Well, I might just be a messy fanboy, though. So. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm also pretty, uh, you know, I, I like Messi. I like what he's doing. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is, like, adapting. I think a lot of it is, like like you said, not being necessarily needed. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I think we even talked about this when he came to, <laughs> came to PSG. Is that, like, him and, like, all the other, like, big players that they brought in, they're going to walk the Liga, so just have him healthy and ready for yeah, the Champions yeah. League. Exactly. I, I think that's the main reason why he's there, to yeah. be a difference maker in the Champions League. Because they want to win the Champions League. Right. But I, I mean, that's about it. They, You you saw it last season. They didn't care about the league after a while once yeah. Leo was up there. They're like, ah, focus on the Champions League. And it didn't turn out well. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to some MLS news. We, I was going to talk about Manchester City and Crystal Palace. Uh, I, I guess, Jack, before we get to MLS, I, I need to ask you real quick. They lost to Crystal Palace. They lost to West Ham, thankfully, in, in the Carabao Cup this past week. Do you just think that they are a tier below Chelsea and Liverpool? They're obviously going to be in the top four race, but they're currently third place behind Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, do you think that they're just a cut below this season? I think this season, yeah, they're just a little bit weaker. And I think it comes down to one big thing. Not having a striker? Yeah, that's okay. the big thing. And also, you know, in this game, it didn't help that Amrick Laporte got sent off. Yeah, that, I, th- <laughs> that I, think, I think a lot of their loss comes from losing, uh, I'd say, an important player back then. Yeah, uh, it's good for my fantasy team because it means that John Stones is probably going to have to come in. So yeah. I mean, there, there is that for me, at least. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think just not investing in Harry Kane and choosing to invest in Jack Grealish. We've said it a lot. Uh, Jack Grealish isn't necessarily a bad player. It's just that the money was spent in the wrong place. Yes. Yeah. I am going to have to agree. Jack, now let's talk about some right, MLS right. news. We have two big stories. Number one, New England Revolution has set the points record with 73 points. New England Revolution set the MLS all-time points record. And they could actually even make that 76 if they beat Inter-Miami which is very likely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we already <laughs> talked about how they're, they, if they're actually the best team in MLS right now last week, and it's obvious that they are on their way to making a case that they are one of the greatest teams in MLS history. But I tweeted about this. It really all comes down to their performance in the playoffs. We talked about that, like, oh, Philadelphia Union, they're doing so well. They got the Sports Shield last year. <laughs> First round exit. Yeah, yeah. So... 
Same with LAFC when they set the points record. Exactly. In fact, the the last time in the past, I want to say like eight years, that a Supporter Shield winner also won the MLS Cup was Toronto FC yep. in 2017. And they had a very historic year, also got the Canadian Championship. So they were they were on fire. New England Revolution, can they do the same with not a lot of, uh, I guess, crossover between uh, the East and West this year? Can we really prove that? This is their year. In fact, Jack, I'm going to ask you that. Is this their year? Do you think that they can finally break the Supporters' Shield curse and win the MLS Cup? Do you think that they could beat their curse and finally, after six tries, maybe win an MLS Cup final? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not completely convinced. And why it. is that? Well, I mean, you just look at who they've played in the Western Conference, right? They've played, I think it... I'm looking at this. It can't just be the one, right? Colorado and FC Dallas, yep. I think. They lost to FC Dallas. They beat Colorado, yes. Which is good because Colorado are likely the contenders from the West. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, that that was a good one. I, I will also say that the Colorado lineup wasn't entirely their sure. best lineup in the world. But, uh, you know, they left Jack Price on the bench, who's been massive for them. Michael Berrios, uh, Mark Anthony Kay. Uh, you know, they, they left a lot of good players okay, on the bench sure. for that one. But I think New England are good. I, I'm not going to say they're bad because I, I you know, they, you can't say that when they've broken the points record. Mm-hmm. I will say that compared to some other teams, they have faced easier competition. And when they have faced more difficult competition, like, you know, uh, against Nashville, for example, who are up there in there. Uh, they they drew against them once, and I believe they they lost to Nashville the other time as well. So they they're a little bit weaker in some areas, yeah. and you know, I I think that I I think they should make it to the MLS Cup. Theoretically, they should make it, but we all know that the playoffs is a different a different yeah. beast, and anything can happen. I was gonna say I I think that it's very likely that they make it to MLS Cup. Partly because they have a buy, right? Right, right. And a lot of it is, I think they can they can do away with like the the lower seats, like say uh, the Montreals or the New York Red Bulls. If I think, Montreal even makes, yeah, I, I think they're better than them, definitely on paper and on the field. The question is, can they beat the Philadelphias, the Nashvilles, who are doing very good in the East? If they can make it past them, that's the big that's the big question because I think. With how close the West is, the West is just going to cannibalize itself. And I honestly do think that the the team that comes out of the West as Western Conference champions is not going to be the best team in the West. That's that's probably fair. Because yeah. you think like, oh, the best team is maybe SKC or Seattle. I would not be surprised if we randomly get like somehow like LA Galaxy or Portland. Like, Minnesota United? Yeah, Minnesota Please. United. <laughs> uh, sneak in. And, you know. Since Seattle, uh, not Seattle, New, New England Revolution have uh, the Sports Shield, if they make it to the MLS Cup, they're going to host. And if the best team in the West gets cannibalized and it's just a crapshoot to see who makes it, that's going to be a tough uh, team to beat at home, New England. So we'll That's see. true. It's possible. But we'll see what happens. You yeah. got to think about like all these like situations, like comparing not just who they're playing, but also what the West is doing. And that kind of tells you like if this is their year. If they can make it, which is a big if, I think that they can do it. 
maybe that's just me trying to create a narrative out of nothing. But yeah. we'll see. Maybe. Next story is FC Cincinnati. Uh, I'm about to go in. FC Cincinnati get the third straight wooden spoon after a 6-3 loss to Nashville SC. They were leading 3-2 in the last two, 20 minutes. Yep. And yep. then choked, some might say, on a wooden spoon. Uh, I don't think an MLS expansion team has ever been this bad. They've only had five home wins in their MLS career, one of which was played without fans. So many people have gone... Oh no! Almost three years since they were in the USL in 2018 without seeing their team win in person. Their owners want to spend money, and with a new GM, Chris Albright, and a yet-to-be-announced head coach, maybe anything's possible. Maybe that they get their stuff back together. But it's not exactly as easy as that, and a lot of that, I think, really comes down to how they built this team from the very beginning. Yes, they have a great stadium. Yes, their off-the-field performance has been very good, getting fans involved, getting the sponsorships, getting a good stadium. But the amount of bloated contracts, middling transfers in, and terrible signings have really screwed them up. I think when you look at why they're so bad, historically bad, number one, not sticking to a long-term plan will lead to disarray, disorganization, and constant rebuilding. They have not been able to stick with one head coach, even if... Uh, sticking with one head coach would have helped them even if they did terribly that one season. They've had three seasons and three head coaches. You cannot build a long-term vision if you are constantly changing GMs, head coaches. Like, it's just not going to work. And this, I can't even tell you what the vision of FC Cincinnati is other than just survive and be competitive <laughs> and let's get let's get uh, some, some old has-beens in and let's sign... Let's break the record for the most expensive signing with Brenner. Like, is this? I forget he's the most expensive signing. Yeah, oh, at least God. in, yeah, there's what, 17 million on him? Like, it, yeah. it's a crazy, it's crazy. Another thing is, in the first two seasons, this is their third season now, they've signed a bunch of bloated, guaranteed contracts in the first and second year, which made rebuilding very hard because you have to, you know, that hits against your cap and you have to trade them. And who wants to trade for bad players? Or you have to buy their contracts out, and that takes a lot of money. So you're stuck with bad players constantly playing for you. That's what happens when you sign a GM that has no MLS experience. And so the fact that they have really screwed themselves up here in the first two seasons, it's going to affect them from the fourth season next year and onwards, maybe until the fifth season, where they can really begin to rebuild for real that time. Part of the reason why I think Minnesota United was so successful is because Yes, they did terrible their first two seasons, but they had flexibility. A lot of their worst players were from loan. A lot of their worst players were uh, one- to two-year contracts or contracts that you could easily buy out. And so once the third season came around and we actually figured uh, our ish out, we were able to offload a bunch of contracts and get some good players in. Right, Jack, do you have anything else to say about FC Cincinnati other than just making fun of them because they're bad? I mean... They could set a new highest goals against record. They could break their own record oh, of 75. You know, they play in their last two matches. They are playing against Philadelphia and Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. That's it, that could, it is that's It is very possible, especially since Atlanta are going to want to try and secure a home, uh, home playoff game. Uh, Philadelphia are going to want to try and secure that as well. I think it's very possible. All, all that needs to happen is they need to concede three-plus goals in each of these matches. Okay. If that happens, they, there's, they have 76 against them. 
breaking 75 against. It, it it's it's very it's very likely. I yeah. I'm I'm all for it because it takes the attention away from Minnesota United's expansion seasons. Yes. Oh, which, yeah. 100. That, <laughs> that was one of the best parts about 2019. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was fantastic. You know, uh, because that is not a record we want to have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so congratulations, Cincinnati, on yeah. your big win. Yeah. You know, hey, it's uh, three trophies in a row. Three in a row for you. Yeah. No, yeah. That's a. Uh, that's more than Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> Had to throw another yeah. jab in it. Got got to get in that in there. I sincerely hope that FC Cincinnati figure their their team out because this is a great fan base. They have a, a, a great brand. It, it, it really a see it deserves a win here. <laughs> um, hopefully, some more wins, more than five in the future for them. Probably not. Yeah, we'll it's four. S- I think this season. By the way, it's it's only four. Yikes! Yikes! Like overall, overall, yikes, yeah, yikes, four. Well, we will keep everyone posted on FC Cincinnati and their head coach uh, hunt. Let's move on to some real quick news, Jack. Uh, why don't you get us started with the first story? Yeah, well, uh, a nice heartwarming story, hey. really. Josh Cavallo, a player for Adelaide United in the Australian A-League, uh, came out as gay, making him one, I, I think at least in a top, top flight league. Flight league. The, the only, only active, active player. <laughs> yep, the only active player to be active male player i should say of course very true active, uh, active soccer player too active male soccer player playing in a top flight league yes, yes. uh that has uh come out as gay which uh-huh. is really fantastic for representation in sports of course uh minnesota united's colin martin mm-hmm. from a few years ago uh previously what was that he's still playing in the usl championship mm-hmm. but it's awesome to see uh you know representation for everyone in the game of soccer you know we've we've seen players come out and clubs leagues come out and support him which Mm -hmm. is just awesome to see so we love to see some positivity in the soccer community yes i'm I'm very glad to see that especially with uh i think pride month was october they moved that to october i i i i I, I really want i really want to say that uh you could look that up while i talk about the next story uh the next story by the way is another fun story it's a the the KC Kansas City NWSL team, which was previously unnamed and unbranded, has announced a stadium and a new name. Their name is Kansas City Current, which has a nice teal branding for the crest. It's obviously a very cool name. It all makes sense when you look at their beautiful waterfront stadium. Waterfront soccer-specific stadium. It's going to be their stadium. It, not, it looks fantastic. Not SKC's. It's going to be their stadium, and it looks like it's going to be one of the best stadiums in the Midwest. But also in the country, maybe in the world, even. May, maybe contender for hosting a World Cup game. Yeah, or, or if it's built in time, I I definitely love to see like at least like a women's uh, World Cup qualifier, like some like game there because that is beautiful, beautiful. By the way, Pride Month in Australia is October. Oh, or let's L- go. It's called LGBT History Month. Okay, great, so. great. Let's go. Ha knows his LGBT history. Let's go. Jack, I want to talk about the last real quick story. Yeah, this one is not happy. No, it's not. Um, Sergio Aguero was diagnosed with cardiac arrhythmia, a heart rhythm disorder. Uh, he was subbed off 40 minutes into the game against Deportivo mm-hmm. Alaves, which they Barcelona ended up drawing. But, uh, you know, it was good to get it checked out. And depending on how severe it is, it's not like, um, you know, other situations we've seen with uh, cardiac problems in yeah. the past year where it could potentially end his career. 
it, it is possible that it doesn't affect his playing ability at all, but it is also just possible. To, it, it is possible that it, it could yes. end his playing career. Possible, but it's good to get it checked out. And mm-hmm. we were hoping the best for, you know, a, honestly, historic player. I think yeah, yeah. like we'll forever hold the re- hold the record for not record, but the memory of one of the most iconic calls in sports. Yes, so. exactly. So hopefully he's OK. Arrhythmia is very general. Uh, term to throw around there i'm not a doctor but that, that's what i've picked up like it could be a whole number of things so hopefully it's something minor because i'd like to see him play a little bit because i'd hate to have his career end uh yeah not playing too well in barcelona jack let's move on to a new section from you as many people know jack has had many sections uh whether it be going jack in time uh the lower league lowdown and trivia, Jack. He has a new one, Jack. What is it? Yeah, it's called stat padding, and we we both like stats. I like I love it. Stats. I, I like it a, a little bit more, given that my degree is in political stats. Yes. But let uh, I I thought you know it would be kind of fun to talk a little bit about stats, maybe some surprising ones, and you know both of us are a pretty big fan of XG. Oh, you know, expected goals. I love XG. It, it's a fun little stat. It, it's it. I, I'm happy that they added it in FIFA 22. Oh, nice. uh, except it sucks when I see that I have an expected goals of seven and I've scored zero. <laughs> but regardless, I thought let's go. Let let me quiz AJ on oh, some gosh. XG stats. Uh, and for this one, it's the top three players or teams to over or underperform XG. Okay. I'll, I'll go section by section. Uh, you know, if you if since you edit these, AJ, if you wanted to add in Jeopardy music into this, sure, I, I, don't I will. Know. It's up to you. But let's start with the top three players to overperform XG. It can be in any order. I can tell you the teams that they're from okay. if you want that. No, uh, you. Okay. I, think, I think that'd give it away. Okay. So is this top five leagues in Europe? Just just Premier League. Just, just Premier, Premier League. League. Oh man, because that makes it so much harder. Yeah, harder really. Uh, maybe because I, I I had some easy ones I could probably get in like other leagues. I mean, there's some easy ones in here. Okay. Oh man. All right. And this is this season. This season. Yep. This... So the first first ten games of the season, really. I'm gonna go with uh my main man Mo Salah. Yes, he is okay. on there. He has an XG of seven point one and has scored ten. So overperforming by two point nine. All right. Good so man, he's in man. second place. If that helps you. Okay. Remember, it's not pure XG, it's overperforming. Overperforming. Okay. So so XG's confusing or not confusing. It's interesting because really how you interpret it can change how you how the stat is viewed. Because it can right. either be you're overperforming, which means you're a very good finisher, or it means that this is just a, a blip and you'll re- regress back to the mean. Right. I wanna say over uh overshooting their X or yeah, overshooting they're extra, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. I'm gonna say Mikel Antonio. He's not actually. Okay. He he is slightly by 0. .24. Okay. Uh, if you want, I can give you the teams uh, for sure. All so right. third place is from Leicester, and first place is from Chelsea. Chelsea and okay, Chelsea overperforming their yep, XG. Overperforming. Okay. Oh man, that that, that something tells me this is gonna be like. Not Lukaku. It is not Lukaku. Okay, so. He's underperforming, actually. All right. Well, then I'm going to go with Kai Havertz. Underperforming as well okay. by 0. 0.7. All right. Well, who's the person from Chelsea? It is Reese James. Ah, I, I, was, I was this close to being like probably Chilwell or Reese James. Chilwell is fourth, okay, actually. Okay. Uh, he was on this list before this weekend. Reese James is an XG of 0. 0.9 and has scored four goals. Wow. 
Overperforming by 3.1. And the last one from Lester. Uh, I'll guess this one. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with just uh, Jamie Vardy. It is Jamie okay, Vardy. Good. He scored seven. XG of four point two. Nice. So has been has been playing too well uh, this past re- couple weeks. recently. No, but yes. getting to the season quite good. So let's go for the top three to underperform XG. Do you want me to give you the teams for these? Because these are a bit tougher. Uh, sure. Go ahead. All right. So first and third are Wolves, and second is Southampton. Okay. Second Southampton. All right. Second. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the Southampton. I'm gonna go with Che Adams. No, you're, you're probably never going to get the okay, Southampton geez. one, I must be honest. Because I didn't know much about this player before. All right, who is it? It is Mohamed El Niusi, who has scored one goal, right. but has an XG of three. Wow, okay. Yeah, he is, he's in second, so underperforming by two. Okay, uh, for the two Wolves players, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess both of them at the same time. Okay. I'm going to go with... Uh, because he's not been playing too well. Adama Traore. Adama Traore. XG of 1.9. No goals. Oh, wow. He's third, though. There's one that's performing worse or underperforming more, I should say. Uh, oh, man. There, there's a lot of players. I feel like <laughs> no offense, Wolf fans. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to say it's Raul Jimenez. Not because he's a bad player, but just because he just came back from injury and uh, the delivery for you know him in general is not great so i feel like uh he's getting good good spots but it's just not clicking right now i'm guessing it's not him it's a good instinct it's not him though who is it it is trincal (sighs) 2.4 an xg of 2.4 no goals man pretty bad so let's go from x goal xg to xga or x expected goals against Mm -hmm. so we're going to talk about goalkeepers Okay. Uh, the other side of the pitch for this. Let's start with some easy ones. I think you can get all three of these pretty easily. Sure. Top three goalkeepers to overperform their expected goals against. Okay. I'm going to go with Mendy. Yep. Martinez. No. No, not Martinez. I guess, I guess he's not. He's like, underperforming okay. a little bit. All right. All right. So, oh, man. Now this is tough. Well, we've talked, we've talked about one of these. Uh, talk about one of these. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Ramsdale. Yeah, Ramsdale's okay. up there. And I'm going to go with, let's see, like, I, I, I'm kind of cheating because I'm looking at uh, <laughs> some, <laughs> at like the teams. I'm looking at their XG against. Uh, can I go with Allison? It's Allison, right, yeah. Good. And just, I, I, I want to I say this because the spread is massive between this. Allison, expected goals against of 11, 8, eight conceded, overperforming by 3. Aaron Ramsdale, 7.6 is expected, 4 against. Mendy, 10.2 expected goals against. Uh, I knew you'd find a way to talk about Chelsea. I did. (laughs) I told you. 7.2 overperformance. Double Aaron Ramsdale's numbers. Wow, okay. When I said last week that he's the reason why Chelsea's doing so well, I meant it. So let's talk about the underperformers in this. Uh, Who do you think is top for underperformance for X goals against. Uh, can I go with Cruel for Norwich? It is Tim Cruel. Okay. 18.6 expected against, 25 against. All right. In there. Uh, I really want to go with uh, Newcastle's second choice goalkeeper because I know Dubrovka's out for... Uh, uh, Carl Darlow. Is Carl that Darlow is actually overperforming oh, his expected goals against. I was I was shocked as well, but he is overperforming by 0.5. Okay, just slightly. But is uh is Nick Pope still Burnley's top top he choice? He is. He is. Can I say him? You can, but you would be wrong on oh, that man. one, unfortunately. All right. Well, 
Do you want the team? The team. I feel like a team. I, would be I mean, the team would give yeah, it away. Yeah, just give me the goalkeeper. Sure. It is Casper Schmeichel for second. Really? Yes. Expected goals against 13.4, 17 conceded. Yeah. And Vicente Guaita, 10.5 oh, sure. expected goals against, 14 against him. Yeah, not great. Still not, still not too bad for, for Palace. I, I think that's still less than they usually concede. Uh-huh. 1.4 goals against per game isn't too bad. All but, right, all right. Uh, you, you've already looked at the, at the XG for teams, but top three to overperform their XG. Do you have guesses for those? Uh, I might just go for the top three right now. Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. You're close. Chelsea is first. Okay. Overperforming by 8.5. Liverpool is in third, overperforming okay. by four. And in second place, I'll, I'll take another guess. All I'm, right. I'm going to go with uh, United. It is United. Let's go. By 4.1. So okay. just, just over Liverpool and then top three to underperform underperform yeah. well i'm gonna go with norwich first norwich is actually not first oh my gosh but they are underperforming by five all right which is pretty bad that's pretty bad yeah can i go big brain and say tottenham they're not they're underperforming but only by one okay uh I'll, I'll say i'll say this all of these teams are underperforming by at least four expected goals okay so so pretty pretty badly pretty badly yeah uh i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with wolves and newcastle Wolves is on there, yes. uh, 4.5. They're in third, but All there's right. one team that's suffering a lot more. All right, which is I, S- Southampton. Southampton, wow. 5.1 expected goals less than what they've actually scored. They've Yikes. scored nine expected goals of 14.1. A lot of that is because Che Adams is underperforming his expected goals by 1.5. Mm-hmm. Only UC by 0.2. So they, they, they've been having quite a few underperformers in there. But, you know... In, I, I think some of the mo- what what which one of those stats do you think was the most interesting in there? I think I, I think the goalkeepers' goals against was, was kind of interesting because I, I I thought I, I it's kind of hard to really measure that because you yeah. don't really think about goalkeepers too much as being make or break because you know they're goalkeepers you don't really see them too much so I thought that was right. really interesting. Yeah. So next week I'll, I'll I'll be back with this section. We're going to talk about. Uh, disciplinary actions in the Premier League. So cards, penalties, all that kind of stuff. Fouls. And I promise I won't study. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I, I gave you a little bit of, of stuff in advance, but yeah. I'll, I'll be updating that. So uh, I'll see you back. See you back here again to stat pad another week. All right. That's a good that's a good uh, outro. I like that. Uh, let's talk quick. Talk the talk quickly. Thank you, <laughs> AJ, about the U.S. men's national team in the U.S. men's national team corner. Uh, what I really want to talk about here is the U20 camp that's coming up. We're going to be, talk- we're going to be uh, talking about this a little bit more as it comes up. But as it currently stands, the USA and some other teams, I know Mexico, I want to say Colombia, and maybe another team are playing a, kind of like a friendly is, cup is it tournament. Brazil? It, it might be Brazil. I don't know. Some, something like that. Uh, this December, and so the U20 camp is going to, you know, pop up soon. The US-17 camp has been called up, but it's a training camp. And I honestly don't know many of the names because it's literally like 15-year-olds and I have no idea who they are. But I want to go over some names about uh, the U-20s that I really want to see at this camp uh, and really talk about why that's important. Uh, number one, I think is Cade Cowell. He got an assist and a goal uh, in the game uh, for San Jose this past week. And I think that he's had a really good season, may have had a bit of a lull, but still a really good player. Really want to see him do well. Next is Kevin Paredes and Moses Nyman for DC United. They both trained at least with the senior team during the Gold Cup, but 
I really need to see like some good minutes with them to get them integrated and potentially, hopefully, right after the 2022 World Cup, we can integrate them and they can become, I, I guess, like uh, mentees of the current wingers that we have right now. Gabriel Slonina of Chicago Fire has been a name that people have been throwing out a lot because he had a breakout season and has been having a breakout season with the Chicago Fire. He's an 18-year-old goalkeeper. I think he's also eligible for, I want to say, Poland or like one of those Eastern European teams. Slovenia. I guess his name's so close to Slovenia that it makes sense. But he has been having a complete breakout season, having, I think, like four clean sheets as an 18-year-old in MLS. I don't care. For the Chicago Fire. Yeah. (laughs) Some might say, oh, oh, it's MLS. No, Chicago Fire is so bad that the fact that he's been playing so well is an achievement. I want to see him uh, for this youth, youth national team. Uh, also, his teammate, uh, Brian Gutierrez, uh, also a player I want to see. Then we get some other players like Paxton Aronson for Philadelphia, as long, uh, along with Quince uh, Sullivan, I think will play a really large part in the U.S. men's national team going forward. Jonathan Gomez left back for Louisville and obviously made his way to Real Sociedad uh, or will be in the next season. I really want to see him because I think that he's going to be a great prospect in that left back position. Malik Sonogo actually is confirmed to have accepted a call-up from Union Berlin. He's a forward. I have huge hopes for him. And to see him, you know, he obviously plays for Union Berlin as like a youth team, reserve team player. I think he's got such great talent. I really want to see him with all these guys. Hopefully get him to stay with the U.S. men's national team. Oh, here, as I'm going to mention like all of Seattle's youth players. We've seen them play for the senior team uh, with Seattle. So I'd really like to see them uh, come up, in particular like people like Reed Baker Whiting for Seattle. Uh, Justin Shea, I think we need to get some good defenders uh, in the system. And I think he's 18-year-old uh, right backs or center back for FC Dallas was obviously uh, trialing with Bayern this past uh, uh, December or so. And also Dante Seeley, who scored, I believe, a hat trick uh, a couple weeks ago for Young PSV in uh, the Erste Divisie. So I really want to see him as well. I think it's really important that we have these youth camps because if we don't, there's going to be this almost, I'd say, forgotten generation. Because if we have, we focus so much on this generation and we don't have successors. Yes, these players are going to last a while, but let's say Pulisic and those uh, players turn 27 well who are going to be the 20 year olds that constantly step up we need to have a constant stream of players world-class that can potentially even uh unseat Pulisic and Reyna and all of those players so to have a youth camp like this after a long absence without them because of COVID is a great sight to see I hope to see those players and more because who knows maybe we'll see the next Messi in this U20 camp uh but probably not <laughs> but uh good to see them regardless that is it for the U.S. Men's National Team corner. I love talking about uh, the U.S. Men's National Team and the U.S. Women's National Team. I'll be talking about about them uh, as the NWL season wraps up. Jack, let's talk about last week's predictions. I do have to say that we weren't able to uh, get a, a poll out for the listeners because I, I think we can just call this week for points maybe a scratch, just because. Well, it's you'll, you'll, it you'll see. Great. You'll so, see. Jack, why don't you tell us uh, the scoring system? Uh, for last week's predictions. Yeah, well, you get 10 points for getting the correct result. You get 20 points if you get the exact scoreline correct and zero points for getting none of it correct. So, AJ, 
Why don't you kick it off? Well, you said you like talking about the USWNT, so why don't you kick it off with that? Yes. Unfortunately, because I had a root canal and I was out for a couple days there, I was not able to go to the Carly Lloyd's final match in St. Paul at Allianz Field. But what an emotional night it was as she left the field the last time as U.S. Women's National Team player. While she wasn't able to bag a goal on her final outing, no doubt she'll be remembered for all the times that she did. Uh, this ended up being 6-0 for the U.S. Women's National Team. Goals from Horan and own, own goal from Choi Soo-yun, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Rose Lavelle, and Lynn Williams in that order. 6-0, as I mentioned. Jack said 2-0, 10 points. Good job, Jack. I said 4-0. Pretty close there. Not close enough. Hey, if we combine them together, we got it right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 6-0. Uh, listeners, obviously, if you want to vote in the poll, I promise I'll get it out this week. Uh, I was out with a root canal. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> that'll be at Final Third Show on Mondays and Tuesdays. The poll will come out then. Jack, why don't you take us to Nice and Marseille? Yes, a highly anticipated match that, you know, ended because of violence from fans. Ended in a draw. Uh, maybe not the most exciting result out there. Ended 1-1. Nice struck first in the sixth minute as Amin Greery scored his sixth goal of the season. Very good for him. But Marseille made it level before halftime through who else other than the player who tricked AJ into supporting West Ham <laughs> all those years ago. Dimitri Payet, who scored guy. in the 41st minute. Uh, it, it was pretty tame through the rest of the match. <laughs> the second half was not very exciting. Uh, you know, if we add in that one goal that was scored uh, by Casper Dolberg uh, before nah, the match, nah. uh, it was worth a try. I guess two to one. If if you take it on aggregate, uh, but zero points, I'll take. Uh, and um, AJ said Nice would win this one to zero, but Dimitri Payet ruined that for him, unfortunately. Yep. unfortunately. Just like he ruined West Ham by leaving. Ah, jokes. Ah, no, jokes, jokes, jokes. Zero points for each of us on that. Yes. Let's move on to the CONCACAF Champions League final, Monterey versus Club America. Ended up being 1-0 for the host team, Monterey. An early Funes Mori goal was the difference maker here. What a, what a player he is. He's 30, but he is still pretty good. Just yeah, joined yeah. Mexico uh, from Argentina, so really good player there. Uh, after that, Monterey were just content to sit back, although both sides had ample chances to find the back of the net. And like, I want to say the eighth minute of stoppage time, very, very late into the game, a penalty gets called due to a handball in favor of Club America. Or does it? The ref goes to VAR and says no penalty, and Monterey win a fifth CONCACAF Champions League. What a run from them. Let's see if it can continue into their league form. It was 1-0. to zero. I said 1-3 to three, uh, for Club America. Couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> zero points. Jack said 2-0 to zero for Club America again. Very far off. Uh, zero points for him as well. I'll go off to NWSL, Portland Thorns versus North Carolina Courage. It was a game that certainly did happen. It was yeah. a 0-0 draw. North Carolina Courage needed a result in Portland and the Houston Dash to lose in order to clinch a playoff spot. And it did happen. That was great. They toughed out a 0-0 draw and the Dash lost 1-0 to, I believe, the Washington Spirit. So the Courage are now the sixth seed in the NWSL playoffs. A little sneak preview. We're going to be talking about the NWSL playoffs later on in the week, as well as a, a season review, hopefully with a special guest that we've had on before. Kind of gave it away there. Uh, but yeah, that was zero to zero. Jack and I both uh, voted opposite ways. Neither got it right. Yeah. Jack said one to zero for Courage, zero points. I said one to zero to Portland Thorns, zero points. 
Jack, why don't you wrap this up by talking about the last game that we've already talked about? Yeah, we've talked about this one, Tottenham versus Manchester United, which, you know, we thought would be the biggest game of the week. And to be fair, it kind of lived up for Manchester United fans as they won three to zero at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that has yet to have an original name. Uh, But I guess one to one, zero points. Ah. AJ guessed Tottenham would win one to zero. Pretty pretty Nuno ballish result, <laughs> but unfortunately Nuno Ball did not play off how he wanted it to, and he'll take zero points for that as well. Which means this week we had a grand total of ten points each. Yes, and you know because we didn't get the poll out, we might as well just scratch it for this week. Yeah, I decided to give listeners ten points too. So really, just just even it out. It's just it's just it it's a bye week. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, Jack's now at two sixty five points. Listeners, you and I are at 245, so the gap doesn't change, and we can just uh, try to forget this week ever happened and move on to the next week. Again, listeners, if you want to participate at Final Third Show on Twitter, Jack, this is Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid. That's our first game in the Champions League. Uh, Kind of exciting because uh, these are the two top teams in Group B. Liverpool are on top with nine points. And Liverpool are also unbeaten in 16 home games and 19 matches overall. And most importantly, they have Salah, who can't stop scoring to save his life, or I guess assisting this week. Yeah. Even though Naby Keita is out, they should have enough to stay competitive. In my mind, I think it'll be a 2-1 to one victory for Liverpool at Anfield. Jack, what do you say? Yeah, I'm going to back Liverpool on this well as well. Looking at the injuries here... Um, yes, Liverpool are missing uh, Naby Keita, James Milner, Thiago. Uh, Atletico Madrid are missing Condogbia, Marcos Llorente, Tomas Lemar, Stefan Savage, who is still suspended, and Antoine Griezmann, who's suspended. Is, yeah, yeah. It's not looking good for them. Uh, they're going to struggle a little bit, and I, I'm going to I'm going to say Liverpool win this one two to zero. Okay, clean sheet, one. clean sheet. I, I think it's possible. Yeah. All right, this next game is of even more importance because this is about the playoffs and everyone loves the playoffs except non-Americans or whatever. <laughs> it's New York Red Bulls versus Atlanta United, which I will remind uh, our listeners was a pretty big rivalry when both these teams were good. <laughs> uh, they meet again in the penultimate MLS match day this Wednesday, and this is a six-pointer. Both teams are just barely hanging on to a playoff spot. A draw or a win would pretty much guarantee that team clinching a playoff spot. Neither team is particularly firing offensively, but the current form of the Red Bulls is encouraging, especially at home, unbeaten in six. The main difference for me is that the Red Bulls just seem to always snatch a win or at least a result from Atlanta, and they've lost Atlanta just once in their MLS history. I'm going with them again. I'm going with a very careful 1-0 win for this Red Bulls team that has been doing pretty decently this season. Jack, are you going to go with Atlanta United here? I I would like to, but at the same time, I, I think the New York Red Bulls are looking very good. Uh, Atlanta, you know, they, they were disappointing in that 1-1 draw against Toronto. Kind of disappointing in the 2-1 win over Inter-Miami as well. Because it's Inter-Miami. Yeah. And you should probably win by more than one goal. Uh, and, and the loss to Montreal recently. New York Red Bulls. Yes, they've had a rough season, but they also need this kind of win to make that playoff push. And it's I, at home. Right, it's at home. I, I think the Red Bulls should do this. I'm going to say 2-1 to 
Two to one. Okay. We'll say two to one. All right. All I was right. making sure I was, I was going at, at different enough from yours uh, at, in terms of scoreline. Sure. Well, let's see if we're going to be different here. It's Manchester United versus Manchester City. The Manchester Derby. Is Manchester red or blue? Jack, what say you? Ooh, a little yeah, bit of a right. there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because both of the, I, I mean, Manchester City, not an impressive one last week. They're going to be without Amrick Laporte and Ferran Torres, whereas Man United are going to be missing Martial and Pogba for this one because he is still suspended from that red card. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I want to say City win, but every time I've said City win, will win this one, Manchester United end up winning. And this game have extra, has extra importance because the series is 13-13 to 13 in Ooh. right now. In the past uh, 10 years. In so the right, last yeah. 10 years or so, but still, right now, it's on a knife's edge. It, it, it could be some bragging rights there, you know? All right, uh, all right. And, but here's the thing. Manchester City are very good. Manchester United are looking kind of vulnerable, uh, even though Varane is back. And they kept a clean sheet against Tottenham. Manchester City are kind of a different animal. I'm going to say, though, just a conservative 1-0 win. For City? For City, yes. Okay. For City, Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know, man. I don't know. Was I going to say two to zero for City before? Yes. Am I going to change that? Yes. <laughs> okay. City have suffered embarrassing losses to West Ham and Crystal Palace recently, and uh, they're missing what uh, Laporte and John Stones is going to come in. Who I don't know. I don't know. No. I hope he's good for my fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> but United have lost badly to Leicester and Liverpool. But something tells me that this City team are just a little bit more put together as their midfield is miles above the crab shell as United's, especially if they're still without Pogba, right? But with City not having a good striker, not having a great output, we've seen them struggle to score against Crystal Palace, and especially West Ham when they had almost their A-team out there. Now that Varane's back, can Manchester United stay at least defensive, defensively stable enough to keep them out? I think so. So I'm going to go with a wild 0-0 zero to zero draw. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yes. I hope not. I, I hope not either, because I'd love to have some uh, uh, fun there, but we'll see. Let's go on to another uh, big MLS game, because as many people know, this is decision day for MLS. Next Sunday, uh, Eastern Conference plays first in the Western Conference. They all play each other at the same time to see who will make it to the playoffs, who will get a home playoff spot, and who will go home in sadness this one's gonna be nycfc versus philadelphia union uh final day right now it's the third and fourth seed that might change but they're fighting for a home playoff spot and i have to say new york city fc's offense is amazing they're third in goal scored and the leading goal scorer in the competition right now is none other than valentin castellanos they scored 10 goals in three games while philly have conceded five in three games seems like a pretty good matchup for nycfc <sighs> sorry jordan I got to go with NYCFC. What a season they've had. I'm going three to one. Jack, what do you say? I, I'm going to go with NYCFC as well. I, I, I uh, or should I change it? Yeah, your choice, <sighs> your choice. I Philadelphia Union, they are a good team. I, I know they are. They're beating Cincinnati right now. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. It is Cincinnati. I, I think, you know, NYCFC, they, they definitely deserve a good, a good spot in the playoffs. Do you think they're going to get it? I, I'm going to say one to zero, though. I think it's going to be close uh, in, in this one. You know, it, it's tough, but I, I'm going to say it'll be close. One to zero. 
why not? All right. Well, Jack, this is uh, this is our game right here. Uh, the, the one that, that's making me the most nervous for yeah. a week from when we're recording this. Minnesota United are currently fifth place in MLS right now. Uh, just beat Sporting Kansas City, but need all the help they can get in order to ensure that they make the playoffs. Jack, this is LA Galaxy versus Minnesota United. Who do you think will win this? And potentially, maybe one of these teams will stay home and one of these teams will go to the playoffs, all depending on this result. I mean, it's it's pretty much win or go home. Really. Like, I mean, it really is. This is basically a final for Minnesota United. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I mean... And that's not good for Minnesota because we all know Minnesota sports teams and finals don't mix well. Yeah. Um, since the 90s, at least. that That's the last time they might have mixed well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it, it, it might be my downfall every time, but I'm always going to back my team in it. You, you, know, you know I'm going to have to. Plus, against LA Galaxy this season, we actually haven't had terrible results. We had a 3-0 win and like a what? One, a 1-0 zero. A loss that we went oh, to. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That one was disappointing. But that 3-0 win was good. And the Galaxy are seemingly spiraling down the table uh, as we as, as we go through all of this. You know, lost to SKC, drew against Dallas. I want Minnesota to win this. Having us try and win a road game might be the worst decision I can try and uh, and say uh, because we've won three road games. I'm going to say we win it anyway. Okay. Two to one. Two to one. Okay, okay. Jack, I wish I could believe as much no, as you. No, you got to believe, man. You got to believe. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> it's a reverse jinx, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Got to believe. Uh, Come on. Neither side is particularly are in good form. Although the Galaxy are unbeaten in four home games. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> and Minnesota have just beaten the Galaxy once and was at home. They yeah. have never, ever beaten this team in Los Angeles or Carson, California, whatever you want to say. Not only that, but Minnesota United are 22nd in goals scored per match. And they've scored only 15 goals away from Rome. That's the fourth <laughs> worst in the whole league. Uh, <laughs> I want to believe, but it'll be tough. It'll be so tough that I see this being as a 2-0 loss for Minnesota United. 2-0 win for LA Galaxy. And there's still a potential chance that we could make it the playoffs, but it takes a lot of help from the midweek games and the games this weekend. Yeah. Well, you know, as a scruffy looking nerf herder once said on solo, never tell, tell me the odds. odds. Yeah. Don't tell me, don't, I don't like all those stats. I like stats, but I don't like those stats. So I'm going to choose to ignore them okay. and live in blissful ignorance <laughs> until something something happens either way. I'm going to be cheering the whole time for Minnesota. I, uh, I really hope it turns out really the, so the too, way man. we want it to. I really hope so too. All right, listeners, you can participate in this poll and just we promise this week. We promise. I d d double cross my heart. Uh, I don't even know what it's called anymore. But Jack, where can people find that poll and just talk to us on Twitter? They can find us on Twitter at Final Third yes. Show. You can, as AJ said, find all the polls on there. You can find some retweets of things such as, like, why do the Detroit Lions exist? Had to throw some shade at them, as we're both NFC North fans of opposing teams there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why, why uh, you know, you can see us go crazy when Minnesota United win against LA Galaxy. Oh, or you can see us cry as Minnesota United crash out of the playoffs. More likely. <laughs> yeah, it, either way is possible, but either way, it's going to be good content. So you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure to follow us 
on Twitter at Final Third Show. Yeah, and also follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're getting a lot of follows there. Not a lot of ratings, guys. So keep it up. Keep it up. I want to see those, those five-star ratings come in. We'll read out any five-star reviews that you all leave. Uh, tell your friend about the show. Tell your father about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about who should succeed Coleman at Barcelona. All right, we'll see you guys this Thursday for an NW Cell-filled uh, deep dive. And uh, next Monday, same time, same place, for a very special news and predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.